Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Dr. Gladys Brignoni, the Chief Learning Officer and Director of Force Readiness Command for the U.S. Coast Guard. Gladys, welcome to the program. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. And we're also joined by Brian Burns, the Deputy Assistant Commandant for Command Control Communications and Computers and IT, C4IT, and the Deputy Chief Information Officer also with the U.S. Coast Guard. Brian, welcome back to the program. Thank you. So today we're doing something a little different. As you heard, we have a CIO, but also a Chief Learning Officer, because we're focused today on training and education for federal employees and obviously service members. Now, agencies are turning to online classes and learning technology more than ever to ensure employees have the skills necessary for today and the future. And the training they receive is critical to driving mission success. So additionally, agencies have an opportunity to fine tune their classes and the skill sets that employees need based on the more and better data that they're collecting. The data also can demonstrate how these education initiatives are impacting mission areas. So with that little bit of context in place, let me turn to Gladys. Let's talk about the Coast Guard's training and education strategy. As a chief learning officer, it's a, it's a big job, but, but talk a little bit about how you guys are, are, are getting it done. For the Coast Guard, I have the pleasure to be able to lead our workforce as a chief learning officer, and that means many, many things. But one of the things that we are really proud of my team that we've been working together collaboratively is we've been looking at what do we really need to be able to do? What's our education, training, strategy, learning, right? Talent management, when you think about the future, not just for tomorrow or next year, but for 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So for the past two years, we've been working on that. And last year, last fall, we actually published what we're calling the Modernized Ready Learning Strategy. What does that mean? That really means as how are we looking at an individual and how is that individual going to be taught, learned, educated, developed, again, talent development throughout their their whole time that they are in the Coast Guard. From day one, when we recruit that individual, what are we gonna be able to teach them? How we're gonna continue to develop them until they decide to leave or depart the Coast Guard. So how are we infusing that? And by now, what we've been doing is we're really looking at blended learning, virtual training. How is that going to be able to be infused in our Coast Guard? Specifically, what we've done is really in the past, believe it or not, as a Coast Guard, we had not been able to do a lot of that blended training. So we started last year with pushing a lot of these things, and as you know, blended learning means many, many things, right? It, it could be something on e-learning, right, that you're doing some modules virtually. It could be facilitated online. So all those things, and what we do is we look at every course, look at those performance objectives, right, and try to figure out which courses, which modules really lend themselves to be able to be infused by that modality. I'm happy to report you know, that, that as bad as things are right now with COVID-19, it really has accelerated really all our development. Uh, we started with one course, right, last year, and we have developed now over 50 courses on a blended learning platform. So that's really exciting for us and really has taken a lot of effort working with, with Brian, right, as our CIO there. One thing about blended learning, let's make sure we define that. That's both in-person, online, it's self-taught, it's facilitator-led, it's some sort of, I'll make the obvious, blend, but, but walk me through how you guys look at it. 
Absolutely, yeah. So we do that. So it could be that it is a you know part. So let's say at the course we have a lot of technical training, right? Where we're sending our workforce sometimes for twenty weeks of training, right? So we're looking at those twenty weeks and deciding first on that performance objectives that we have, those terminal objectives, which modules, which objectives could be done now via completely online. Could they be done now by a facilitator, kind of like you and I? Are we talking there? And having a very interactive discussion, which it really leads to good learning in that regard. It could be self-paced e-learning. It could be a job aid that we've done. So it means many, many things. So, and we have again some really good definitions and ways for people to help our instructors be able to develop it. Let me bring Brian into the discussion because Brian is the Coast Guard maybe was not as big into blended learning as they were earlier. Maybe, Gladys, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. There's probably a lot of in-person learning. So the shift online means there's a technology infrastructure that's needed. So Brian, walk me through how you worked with Gladys and her folks to ensure that the infrastructure was there, the technology was there to support this blended learning. One of the first things we need to do is look at how the classrooms are set up and how we can change the technology to support what they need to do. So if you think about it, the traditional uh, room was classroom setting. We had uh, desktops in the room. And essentially, you're tethered to the room, if you think of it from that perspective. So one of the things that we did is we started looking at what some alternatives are. So we have established in, in three of our classroom uh, sites, uh, we put in wireless networks to start. And then the other thing is then we introduced tablets, so you're much more mobile to go from there. And what that's allowed us to do is actually allow the students to really work and, and access the content outside the classroom and then use the classroom time really to practice what they've learned outside the classroom. So just by changing the technology platform and providing a different way to connect into the network, we were able to essentially separate the, the classroom physical connection to being much more broader. And then the next step from there is the remote learning, not even in or near the classroom. Was your network, generally speaking, ready for this change? Did you have the, the bandwidth, the, the storage, the, the two-factor authentication? We'll get into more of the specifics, but did you have all these things set up? Or was that part of the lift as, as the strategy came, as Gladys's folks and, and, and the Coast Guard put the strategy together, you had to then upgrade the network and make some changes? So from the classroom setting, this is basically just changing the, the, the terminal end of the equipment. So that, that was relatively not too difficult, not too complex to do. So it was just basically putting in new technology and replacing with the older technology. So we were able to do that pretty well and, and continue to move things. Going into COVID, though, and having to re work remotely was an entirely different aspect of uh, what we had to do in order to go away from the classroom and actually provide remote capability elsewhere. So Gladys, here we are a couple, a year into the, the blended classroom is is it working give me a sense of kind of how you guys are approaching education and, and teaching these days and then we'll get into the covid discussion a little bit more we've been doing this now really full force right for the last what, eight months since covid has hit us even though we had tried it before and uh we really when we take a look at our our training we're really performance based so what we do is we we take a look at once those individuals have finished school, six months later, where those individuals now are in the field at the operational unit and actually now using that knowledge fully, what we're engaging them to figure out based on that survey, talking to the, their, their supervisor and that now the student that has graduated, 
how are they able have did they capture did they learn the materials and how is that showing in their performance on a daily basis so it's early right now i have for us to be able to we're just starting to get those surveys but i will tell you is um the current reactions that we have gone right from our other surveys are showing that students particularly not that I consider myself older, but you know, more mature as I'll say that terminology, right? Is that we're seeing that the younger generations definitely are really hungry for a blended format, right? And I think you were spot on, right? Particularly as a military organization, the Coast Guard, we really rely, we tend to do more face-to-face, -face, right? So shifting that is really a culture shift that we've done. Uh, and we're happy to report that again, that preliminary surveys and results from the training that we've done, right, in a blended format, it's very, very positive. And our students are really selling it for us instead of just us pushing and advocating. So it's really a positive, positive success. And really, Brian and his team has been really critical in being able to support us. You bring up this idea of the surveys the pandemic also required you or, or, or kind of put, accelerated some of the, the actions. Did that also require the instructors, the students to change how they learn? Because it's obviously a big difference for you and I to be in the same room and now we're doing the Zoom thing and it, it, there's an adjustment period, of course, but what did that mean for the Coast Guard? Teaching online, right? Facilitating online, just like you and I, you're an expert, right? Using Zoom, we're still learning, some of us, right? We don't use this technology in the Coast Guard, right? We use Teams. So every technology is a little bit different and it takes some practice. Um, so we were a little bit concerned. How is our, our instructors, right? All of those individuals that are involved, right? In the curriculum development, analysis, right? In design, uh, are they gonna be able to, are they gonna be apprehensive to, are they gonna be able to, uh, buy-in. Uh, and at first, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I will tell you that they, they, I couldn't be prouder of our team, how they have been able to adjust, right, and learning. Everybody has rolled up their sleeves, right, and really embarked on learning more. And some of the things we've done is uh, we did bring in some experts to help us be able to set that roadmap. Like I mentioned before, we have the modernized ready learning. When we developed it a year ago, we just didn't realize that this COVID-19 was right around the corner, that it would accelerate everything. But we are really making good progress with all of those items. And it's really, you know, very positive looking. And our goal would be is to eventually look at many courses. Not every course will lend itself to a blended format. So it takes some time. So we're teaching our staff to be able to use, okay, the methodology, right? We develop an actual method to try to figure out what makes sense, right? Converting a course. Does it meet all of these check the boxes, right? And if it meets all those check the boxes, it means that that course is really suitable for potential being able to com be converted. Otherwise, we some of the other courses will stay, right, more traditional. Those traditional courses, have you at the Coast Guard been able to have them during COVID or has everything been moved online and then slowly as things hopefully calm down, you can bring some courses back in person and some, as you said, will stay uh, online or e-learning or, or self-taught or facilitated uh, permanently? 
we have over 800 courses that are taught in the Coast Guard, right? Some of those courses are taught by our colleagues, right? Whether they are from DOD, our sister services, or DHS, Homeland Security. And some of them, a third of them are contracted out, right? But the ones that we own, absolutely taught by the Coast Guard itself, we are trying to move forward to be able eventually review those and determine whether or not really that's a suitable course. And it could be really, I think what, what will occur, what I foresee is that some courses really we won't be able though, but maybe at the course, like I mentioned, it may be that it's uh, three months, but maybe now only two months are done now face-to-face, right? At the actual residence and all those other modules are done elsewhere. All right. I know we're still, we're all figuring it out. The same thing. So we will uh, learn more as you go along. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guests today are Dr. Gladys Bergnoni, the Chief Learning Officer at the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO at the U.S. Coast Guard as well. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. Navy Kids Shipman Club members receive exclusive benefits, fun activities, and Navy sports content throughout the year. And did we mention it's free? Free? Join today. Visit NavySports.com for more information. The latest on Naval Academy Athletics is as close as your computer, thanks to Navy's official website, NavySports.com. You can get all the information you need on all varsity and club teams and the midshipman student athletes. Make sure you log on today. Federal agency cloud transformation is changing the way users access applications and the way security protection is delivered. DHS's latest TIC 3.0 guidelines are designed to secure networks and data. Palo Alto Networks is meeting and exceeding these guidelines with Prisma Access, Secure Access Service Edge, or SASE offering. Cloud-delivered Prisma Access scales automatically to provide the capacity your remote workers need while offering the same security functionality you've come to trust. Learn more at paloaltonetworks.com. I'm not up early for work. I'm awake for my favorite girl. This is the life I pictured after retiring from the federal government. I want to stay healthy for more days like this, so I picked an Aetna health plan that takes a total approach to my health. It's just for federal retirees. It fits my budget with low premiums and low out-of-pocket costs. I can even get help with some out-of-pocket expenses. I've got other things to spend my money on. Grandpa! To learn more or chat live online, visit AetnaFeds.com radio. Hi, I'm Gail Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary, where we've been specializing in meeting your unique health care needs for over 50 years. Our passion is helping you to get to your root cause of health conditions. At Village Green Apothecary, our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists offer guidance on diet, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. Plus, we offer lab testing and nutritional consultations to optimize your health plan. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com. At CDW, we get that even the biggest jobs need to fit on your lap. It's true. My entire workday happens right here on my lap. And you can get it done faster with the performance and security of a device configured by CDW and powered by 10th Gen Intel Core V Pro processors. Nice. Are you done yet, Mommy? More time for story time. And even better use of your lap. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash intelbegreat. Federal News Network. Jason Miller's Reporter's Notebook is the insider's guide to the federal community. Subscribe at Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. 
My guests today are Dr. Gladys Brignoni, the Chief Learning Officer for the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO for the U.S. Coast Guard as well. Now, before break, we're kind of understanding the strategy. Gladys was laying it out. Brian, you and I talked briefly about the technology that underpins this and how you had to make sure the infrastructure was ready. A big piece to that infrastructure, of course, is the cloud, software as a service, or other capabilities. How have you looked at the cloud and, and similar capabilities to ensure that the Coast Guard's men and women have the the access to the courses they need and you obviously keep your infrastructure up and running? So one of the things that we're doing right now is we're actually building out our software factory and we're uh, looking to move forward with uh, agile development and DevSecOps as we go forward. So with that, that clearly goes into the cloud capabilities. Uh, we're working even with Air Force uh, using the Platform One capabilities that they have there. And we're looking at the variety of options for cloud services. What we've been able to do is leverage software as a service, and we've developed several different applications uh, over the past year. And some of them just to highlight, the AUX data, auxiliary data system, that's enabling us to have the uh, Coast Guard manage up to about 25,000 volunteer workforce and provide capabilities by delivering this, a software solution into the cloud. We've actually started with telehealth also, and that's allowing us to do remote capabilities for physicians to treat Coast Guard members and another software as a service capability. We're also developing a, a mentoring application so that we can tie mentors to mentees. And that goes along with not only just learning, but uh, coaching and learning uh, capability as we go forward. And then we're beginning to build out a recruiting application that supports our, our goals of readiness of the workforce as we go forward. So the key is looking at the technologies and how we can leverage them and how we can build more of a platform technology to support these applications that they can plug into. So we're also building out the inventory of the different applications that are already in the cloud and then moving in that direction for future capabilities to be cloud oriented. The software factory piece, we're seeing this as maybe a bit of a buzzword, something that's rising. Walk me through what that is. Is it the internal skill sets of DevSecOps? Is it the internal skill sets of Agile or is it something a contractor will provide you all, a combination? It's a combination because with DevSecOps and, and the team structure, it's a combination that we will have contractors obviously helping us. We need to have our program managers involved with that. We need to have the customers involved with that. And the idea is to bring the team together in short sprints to be able to develop the code, develop the activities, as you know, the, the term, fail fast meaning let's develop it, let's flush things out, and let's do it pretty rapidly so that we can see if it works or not and then expand from there. So the software factory allows us to use modules um, that have already been pre-developed and then couple those together to actually develop software much faster, but also tying with the user community involved in this process together at the same time. You talked broadly about the cloud, and let's drill down maybe a half a step to the training, the learning, the education side. I think there's training that's needed to do software and Agile and, and SecOps. Then there's also the more broad training that maybe Gladys could jump in here as well about how much of that is in a database or in a data center that Coast Guard runs, or is that also living in the cloud that I can access it if I'm a Coast Guardsman from wherever I'm at? versus have to hook back through a VPN and, and, and get back into a data center. So let's start with the, the DevSecOps and software training piece for IT, and then we'll talk to Gladys about the other piece. So the uh, DevSecOps, uh, we are actually looking at additional training right now and beginning to look at what the program needs to support that. We do have 
some initial training capabilities that, again, with Platform Ones of the Air Force that we're utilizing, get our staff in the development activities at this point. So it'll continue to develop and evolve over the next year as to which direction we're going to be going. And Gladys, jump in as well. I know you're not the technology person, but currently, how, how are you set up in terms of your courses that the Coast Guardsmen and women are using? How are you set up for if, if I want to access it from home, if, from my job site? How, how does that work? Do you know? So right now, I think uh, Brian would attest and say that we got a lot of different systems and platforms in the Coast Guard that don't necessarily work or connect, talk to one another very well. So that's been a challenge for us. And uh, one of the things that we are looking and we're very optimistic that for next year, hopefully that we'll be able to get, it's a new LMS. And that new learning management system, you know this better than I is, there's so many powerful ones there that can probably do so much that we really would be able to help for us. And when we talked earlier about the modernized ready learning, what we're looking, as I mentioned though, right? So somebody comes in and they're tracking in the LMS. I am a member of the Coast Guard and uh, I just got my certification to be a chef outside. And I want to go into and become a culinary specialist for the Coast Guard, right? So now that you have that certification, the LMS will be able to track it. And when you, when, and we do have a school, a culinary specialist school, right now, we haven't been able to track those things, right? So anybody that's a culinary specialist that wants to go, goes to the same training. Wouldn't it be wonderful and cool that we would have that already? So then when you, Jason, you are a French chef, culinary specialist already, and you want to come to the Coast Guard, you'll be able to only do certain modules to get that qualification from the Coast Guard. So that's where that LMS is really, really powerful, and it really will help us as a service to track all of talent management from day one until, again, you retire or leave the service. So, Glass, I have to let you know, as a culinary school dropout that I am, I appreciate the fact that if you can at least bring your certification in. I wouldn't qualify because I dropped out, but that's a whole different discussion. Oh, I have no. <laughs> Very cool. My wife appreciates it. How about that? Well, let's go back to the LMS for a second. Or You said there's a lot of different databases and platforms that don't necessarily talk. That's obviously a big problem for, for any organization. How are you dealing with that today? And then what's the future looking like? And, and Brian, I'd love you to jump in on the back end of this conversation too, because your office is going to have a lot of play in this too, because what, whatever they, Gladys and her folks choose, you guys are going to have to support and make sure it works on the network. There are many different software tools out there, platforms that, again, you know, we're trying to get them to work, but there could be much more synergy right now. And we do have an LMS that, that is working, right? But it's not as powerful as where we want to go with our modernized ready learning strategy for the future. So some of the things that we currently have been doing is, and I think Brian alluded to it, so we have the two-in-one right devices that we are using, and we are going to be distributing them across our training system shortly in the next couple of months. We had some already and really have worked well. We have been really leveraging platforms particularly free because, you know, the Coast Guard, we're very poor as a service. <laughs> I will say that as much. 
Um, but we are leveraging DOD, some of their platforms. So one of the things that we have used, and it has worked really, really well, and I'm very thankful to, again, our sister services. We've done University Mill. That's something that we use as a platform. So that it's enabling any of our students, learners, wherever they're at, to be able to access that 24-7. And within that platform, we have videos, right? We have access to other job aids that are really facilitating the learning, the education, the growth, the career growth for that individual, for that professional in our service. I'm just going to try to get ahead of it so poor Brian doesn't get 101 calls. You see, Brian, I'm looking out for you here. The LMS, is there an acquisition strategy around that yet? Have, have you made any, not necessarily awards, but decisions of how going forward? Because I know Brian will get all those calls about from the vendors. So we're working with DHS and, and looking at the platform that they're uh, proposing. So we're going to be part of the DHS platform. And then working closely with them from the technology standpoint, because the way we operate is the Coast Guard actually operates its IT on the DOD information network. So we're as known as DODEN. So we have the protocols and the standards that we have to support on the DOD side. But we report to DHS. We acquire um, uh, most of our contracts to DHS. We acquire our budget through DHS. Our privacy office FOIA all goes to DHS. And from a learning management standpoint also because of our human resources and human capital capabilities. So. We're gonna be tied very closely to the DHS strategy as we go forward, but making sure that we also have the military component in the learning management capabilities, because that is a little bit unique uh, versus a civilian workforce. So we wanna make sure that we have both capabilities, civilian side and the military side going forward, and then working out the appropriate technology issues between the, um, the different networks that we have to support. And if I remember this correctly, this is several years ago now, but I remember the, uh former DHS CIO Richard Spires talked about having something like seven different LMS systems across all of DHS. So I'm sure uh, you felt this pain for a while of, of, of can we are connected, are we not connected? If someone leaves Coast Guard and, and works at CBP or vice versa, how does that work? So that the tracking all that information is can, can definitely be tough. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guests today are Dr. Gladys Bergoni, the Chief Learning Officer for the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO, also for the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. Federal agency cloud transformation is changing the way users access applications and the way security protection is delivered. DHS's latest TIC 3.0 guidelines are designed to secure networks and data. Palo Alto Networks is meeting and exceeding these guidelines with Prisma Access, Secure Access Service Edge, or SASE offering. Cloud-delivered Prisma Access scales automatically to provide the capacity your remote workers need while offering the same security functionality you've come to trust. Learn more at paloaltonetworks.com. When we work together, we can make anything possible. That's what happens when you have access to 95% of doctors in the U.S. plus overseas coverage. When you can earn rewards for getting healthy. When quality care is at your fingertips. When you choose the health plan trusted by more federal employees than any other provider. See what the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program can do for you. Learn more at fepblue.org slash we can. The federal government is constantly evolving, and you want to evolve with it. FedTalk is here to help. FedTalk brings together the federal community on Federal News Network every other Friday morning at 11. Brought to you by the team at Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. 
Tune in this week for your last chance to learn about Open Season 2020. FedTalk will feature OPM program specialists to address all your coverage questions. FedTalk, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Agencies throughout the federal government are changing the way they approach training their employees. Tune in on Tuesday, December 8th at 1230 p.m. to Learning and Your Agency's Mission. Bryna Dash, Vice President of Blackboard's Government and Corporate Business, will share what agencies should consider when upgrading or modernizing their learning management system and education technology. Tune in on Tuesday, December 8th at 12.30 p.m. on Federal News Network, sponsored by Blackboard. What is the mission of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee? How is it working to prevent and detect fraud, waste, abuse, and mismanagement of the 2.6 trillion coronavirus relief funds? How is it using partnerships and collaboration to meet its mission? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Bob Westerbrooks, Executive Director, Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, next week on the Business of Government Hour. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Dr. Gladys Bergoni, the Chief Learning Officer for the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO, also with the U.S. Coast Guard. Before break, we are talking a little bit about the, the platforms and the technology you guys are using. I want to continue that conversation, but I want to bring Brian back in around the technology piece. Brian, as COVID got started, as a lot of agencies moved to remote working, you know, We've heard some great stories about going from 15% of the workforce to 60, 80, 90% of the workforce working remotely. Did that change the way the Coast Guard looked at IT modernization? And of course, when we talk about online learning, did that change the way you had to support online learning with different technology, different platforms and the like? Yes, it did to some some degree. And I mean, let me explain this. We have, and going forward with the Coast Guard, we actually have three major strategic priorities. One is the um, maximizing readiness for today today and tomorrow, which is looking at uh, cultivating the mission readiness workforce and then also modernizing our assets. And then also the other two are address the nation's complex maritime challenges and deliver the mission excellence. With that, the Commandant of the Coast Guard in the State of the Coast Guard address laid out the tech revolution plan. And there's five major areas in that. And that was cutter connectivity, C5I infrastructure, cyber readiness, cyber um, uh, software, mobility, and cloud, and data for decisions. With that plan, it's, it was the over, overall broad area for modernizing where we're going. COVID hit roughly at the same time, or just right after that. So taking that plan, it made us accelerate a lot of what we were thinking of doing and, and moving forward. So for example, we had a pilot uh, un- underway, uh, which we talked about a couple years ago, the BDI pilot. And we were supporting roughly 2,500 users for concurrent use at home in the Coast Guard. And you think about it, we have about 56,000 individuals. Overnight, we basically had to figure out a solution to go to about 70% of the workforce having to work from home. So we looked at that and we looked at some cost performance issues and, and decided we we're gonna change our strategy a bit and, and not, not necessarily where we we're gonna go, but in the technology that actually we're gonna deploy. So we wound up uh, changing in the terms of VPN now is our primary remote capability with VDI as, as the secondary way. We're reserving VDI for our reservists who may or may not have government furnished equipment. If they don't have it, they can go to VDI, get in, 
due to multi-factor authentication and get into the network. With the VPN, this allowed us to do a couple things. So people were working remotely in cybersecurity. We still have to patch things well. We need to get people that have equipment that they can use. And so we wound up doing a couple things. First and foremost, we had increased the gateways. We had to do a tenfold increase on just the gateway capability capacity so we could handle the throughput that we're going to need. So we worked with this and we, and we got the circuits in and we, and we did all that. The other thing we had to do is we were still had a significant number of desktops. And we also had people that did have laptops, but, and there was a rule that said if you leave them at the work site and leave them on the work site so the patches would go overnight and go from there. Well, now we told people, uh, and we evangelize this, please take your laptop home and use it at home. That then created the issue of, well, how do you patch? So VPN gave us the capability to, to have better patch management, and it gave us the capability to get these uh, computers in people's hands as government-furnished equipment, keeping the appropriate security around that, and getting them to work from home. That then required us to buy thousands of workstations real-time to go out and deploy to the individuals. And we did that. And in that, we also set up a workstation integrated program team to think on how we're actually going to distribute this and tie the computers to the type of user set that we have and the type of teleworking that we're doing at this point and coming up with what do you really need from a, from a workstation endpoint standpoint. So we've kind of settled on your traditional laptop, but as Gladys has mentioned, we have two-in-one laptops, our devices now, and we're going more in that trending in that direction. So that forced us to, to be a catalyst to move into the two-in-one world as we're going forward. The other thing we had to do, candidly, and we're, we're using a, a tool today to do this session, but we had to look at what are the collaboration tools that we need to do. We were also beginning to start M365 and deploying the new email system, and we're looking at the um, collaboration tools there. That forced us also to accelerate the M365 deployment. So we are, are, we are nearing the end of that in terms of email. But then we brought in two things. Working through DOD, as I mentioned, we're on the DOD network. We also then were recipients of the CBR team's solution, which allowed us to do a significant amount of collaboration to DOD and other partners that we deal with. And then we had to get people up to speed on how to do that. So that was a, a huge thrust forward and, and quite frankly, opening the eyes of how you can do a lot of remote capability and still be a productive worker at home because you actually can see the person and you can uh, be connected and have the meetings that, that we just didn't have the capability before. Going back to security, that then brought up a different issue and, and we're working through this too. And I won't get too geekish on this, but there's um, a basically an impact level two and an impact level five capability. Uh, impact two is more your traditional lower level security where the impact five is more national security systems and so on. We have to support both of those. So we're now developing in, and have deployed um, a, a, the impact level two CVR, but we're also deploying an impact level five solution too so we can move forward. So that pushed back to the tech revolution and the infrastructure modernization, the catalyst to do all this like right now <laughs> instead of over a longer period of time. So just to sum it up real quick, we had to expand the gateways, we had to buy thousands of workstations, we had to put in the collaboration tools right away, we had to look at the security issues, we had to be able to turn on cameras and, and, and microphones, which were um, before completely locked down. And, but it also then opened up other applications that I mentioned earlier. We have um, telehealth service that we, we now uh, are deploying, 
we've had a lot of other remote tools and back to uh, Gladys, even the electronic learning and remote learning, we've actually pushed forward to do this. And it also accelerated our software as a service capability. So there's a lot that came out of COVID-19 in a very short period of time to be tied right back to our modernization or tech revolution, but to do it in a much more rapid pace than we did before. There's so much to dig out of that, and we will in a minute, but I want to just ask a little bit about the the learning piece here. As you rolled all this out, did you have to kind of work with Gladys and her folks to ensure that, for instance, uh, I'm sure that there's cybersecurity training and, and that every Coast Guardsman and women has to take. I'm sure there are some other compliance type of training, so many CPEs hours they have to get. Did you ensure that, did you talk to her about how, okay, make sure we have access to those courses, those, those items, so they can continue to, to move forward in their careers too? Yes, and that was part of, and, and the, again, context of 2,500 users to the capability of supporting 40,000 users. Well, then the next question is, well, who's the first ones to get it, right? <laughs> so we worked with Gladys to say, okay, how do we address the classroom issues? Because the classrooms were temporarily shut down. And we had to still continue to train people. So they became a, a, a top part of the top of the priority list in getting those workstations to them and making sure we get the connectivity and then even accelerate, as I mentioned, some of the wireless capability that we put in. So we're also, that's another part of this is we're piloting wireless capabilities in, in facilities now just to, to, to do that. So it helped us actually move forward in the direction that they had planned that, that was a little bit further distant in terms of a scheduling standpoint, because now it was no kidding. They had to have it right now. It's always interesting that a little bit of urgency, add that to the mix and how quickly things can get done and done well, because you still need the security rigor, you still need the acquisition rigor, but all of a sudden people work in a different pace. It's, it's, there's, these are great stories that I hear very common from a lot of different CIOs who have had very similar experiences. Gladys, tell me how it's been going on your end. Brian told us all the great things they're doing from the from the from an IT perspective. What about is learning working? Are, are you finding that? I know you said you have some surveys out there. You're you're looking at those preliminary results, but but what's your feedback you're hearing even anecdotally from from people who are taking classes online now? The vast majority of the people are saying that they really did not expect that they would enjoy this blended format as much. We do have some people that say, well, you know, we miss that close interaction, you know, that you have face to face. So we are uh, looking at how do we make it even more. And one of the things that I know that you know and and our audience will appreciate is that blended learning, virtual training is really harder for our instructors because you really need, like I think the research shows about every four minutes that you really need to engage that individual on the other end, right? Versus what's the double time, right? About nine minutes when it's a face-to-face. So we are teaching people, how do you infuse that throughout that learning, throughout that training? And another important thing I, I will say is uh, that Brian mentioned it, but I just want to stamp it and, and say that it's probably even more difficult for us as a federal agency being in military service because we got to meet all those cyber requirements from DOD and then DHS may have some additional ones. So how do we play in all that? Makes it really, really tough for Brian. But again, they've kicked But and this. Actually, they've worked so well. Uh, and another point I would say is, believe it or not, we did not have Wi-Fi in our training centers, which 
should be like, duh, how could you not have that? We didn't really until just recently. So we are moving forward with Brian and his team's help. We're moving forward to be able to have that at every training center. We have eight major training centers, and I'm happy to report that we're going to be able to do that, which will be fantastic because then that learner will be able to access information, right? Like I mentioned, whether our job aids, videos, right? 24-7 versus waiting to go to the actual classroom. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can uh, finish up our conversation and learn about what you guys are looking at in the future as well. My guests today are Gladys Bergoni, the Chief Learning Officer at the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO at the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. What's best for you and your federal career, and what comes next? Your turn with Mike Causey. Search your turn. I'm George Holland, Vice President of Siena Government Solutions. Network modernization is a key imperative for government agencies. CGSI has built a team of experienced and innovative network specialists focused on serving your mission. Siena's team leverages leading technology and service innovation to serve all government agencies and communities. Learn more about Siena's portfolio of network equipment, software, and services, and our vision of an adaptive network for government. Visit ciena.com government. Everyone knows even good people fall on hard times. Your credit cards get maxed out and you get behind on your taxes. Unfortunately, the IRS is not as understanding and they won't stop until they collect. They have the power to take your paycheck, freeze your bank accounts, even your home or business could be at risk. It's simply not worth it to take on the IRS by yourself. You need to call the experts at Optima Tax Relief. When you call, be sure to ask about the Fresh Start Initiative. It's a special IRS debt assistance program that could save you thousands, even tens. Tens of thousands if you qualify. Optima will immediately provide you with a team of professionals who will fight to protect you from the IRS, ensuring you get the best possible outcome. The Better Business Bureau has awarded them an A-plus rating, and you will too. So put the hard times behind you and call Optima today for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. tax relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. As you navigate the uncertainties of our new reality, Federal News Network is here to guide you through it. Download our revamped mobile app for all the latest news and information on your agency's evolving telework, pay and leave policies, acquisition guidance, and what this all means for your TSP. We are here to serve you, the dedicated federal employees and contractors who continue to serve your mission. The Federal News Network app. Available on the App Store and on Google Play. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, Dr. Gladys Bergoni, the Chief Learning Officer for the U.S. Coast Guard, and Brian Burns, the Deputy CIO, also with the U.S. Coast Guard. Before break, we were talking about technology. Brian laid out his, his priorities. He laid out some of the, the technology modernization efforts. I want to go to another piece, though, because part of the, the, the readiness piece, which was a major priority for the Commandant, is this idea of, of personalized learning. I think that's a, a trend we're starting to see in the education community. So, so Gladys, start with how, how are you offering that perspective or that opportunity for someone to say, 
I'm here today and this is where I want to be in five years and here's where I want to be in 10 years. How do they personalize it? We're looking to see if individuals, when they're coming to our service or are already in the service, right, who want to join one of our 19 technical fields ratings for enlisted, right, if you want to become, again, a boatswain's mate, those individuals that, you know, are right, the ships, right, or the boats that are doing that. In the, so if they already had, for instance, or their qualifications while in, they were in the Coast Guard, so those individuals now will be able to jump ahead and from what used to be a long school, right? So we've been able to reduce that now by 20% the, the training for it. So that individual can get quickly that certification and go out back to the field. And another thing that we're doing is, particularly in our aviation field, one of our training centers, uh, every one of our training centers is really looking at how do we do this blender, right? How do we look at that individual and personalize it? So one of the things that we're doing is called the rating apprentice program. So what that does is, let's say you wanna become an avionics electrical technician, right? And we're, that individual, a huge job, right? That individual is gonna be working in anything, whether it's the systems, navigations, anything electrical in that, in that aircraft. So that individual typically went to school for 26 weeks. So instead of now going to 26 weeks, we're letting that individual potentially partner with a mentor at an air station. And now they're getting some on the job training in advance. They're doing some online learning, right? And by doing that, we've been able, that individual now gets to skip 10 weeks of that training, right? So we've reduced that, that by that much, which is really, really a great new story for our service. And our goal would be is if we can take a look at more of that mentoring, coaching, just like Brian mentioned, for us to be able to personalize to that individual, we would love to be able to do that. And I see that for our vision in the future, we'll have that opportunity to do so. You mentioned the one example of the aviation training, but this could mean for anybody, because as soon as they get that hands-on experience, the mentoring, the, the internship, if you will, that, yes. that's the difference, but they still need to pass tests. They still need to prove that they know what they need to know. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and our review so far is that the individuals are really, really liking it because they are already working with somebody. They're having their hands on on that aircraft, being able to fix it before they actually get to the training, the formal training per se. So it's really a win-win. Brian, I want to bring you back in the conversation because a lot of what Gladys is talking about is really a data-driven exercise. Do you have the right people? Do they have the right skill sets? And then what skill sets are they needed today, but what they also need in the future? So how are you all providing the data tools, the analytic capabilities for people like Gladys to, to understand what's going on across the community? Let's start with some fundamental concepts. The information belongs to the enterprise. So it's about information. It's not necessarily about the information technology. The other thing is we have to provide information anywhere, anytime, either in a full, a, a disconnected, an intermittent or limited environment or networked environment. So we have to design our systems around that. And then we have to provide the capabilities to access that information. And then we have to provide the learning to go with that. So right now we do have a, a series of data analysts and scientists that are using uh, business intelligence tools today to data mine information. And that's working pretty well, and that gets into a lot of this area itself in terms of what are the learning needs, what are the workforce plans that go forward, 
But as we go forward with this, we really need to start engaging artificial intelligence and the machine learning capabilities, because at a point, it's going to be, we'd have to hire a large volume of analysts versus, so to speak, hiring an AI bot capability to do a lot of this capability for us. So one of the other things that we've kicked off within the Coast Guard is the uh, data readiness task force, and they're specifically looking at that. How do we better manage our data, both from a traditional standpoint, a big data standpoint, AI moving forward, putting in the ethical um, algorithms that we're going to need to support that moving forward. And that's going to help drive it. Because at the end of the day, not only as you mentioned about personalizing the, the curriculum, but we actually have right now five workforces. We have military active duty. We have military reservists. We have auxiliary members that are volunteers. We have uh, civilians and we have contractors. As we move into 2030 and 2040, we need to take AI as a tool to help those individuals. But the question that I would ask is, by 2030 or 2040, is AI the sixth workforce that we're going to be dealing with as we go forward? And then as we do that, then a lot of the positions and jobs we have today will change as that, quote, sixth workforce comes on board. The learning will have to change to go with that because it'll be different jobs that people will be performing. And Brian, we're just about out of time, but from a data readiness task force, are they looking at not just what the data is today, but what tools you need in the future? Is that something, I imagine we could have a whole conversation about data, but just real briefly, what's their charge for, for the short term? Well, it's, it's all of the above. How do we better analyze the data today? What tool sets do we need in the future? How do we organize around the data? And how do we organize this to support that and do the analytics moving forward? So there's, there's uh, multiple phases to the um, task force to uh, look at those capabilities. All right, and Gladys, finally, I'm going to give you the last word. What's the, what's the big takeaway from our conversation today? I'd say the number one thing is that we really are listening to our workforce, right, and modernizing and being able to produce that learning and training that really best meets their needs. Excellent. Now, this was a great conversation. I very much enjoyed it. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Let me thank my guests. Dr. Gladys Brignoni is the Chief Learning Officer and the Director of Force Readiness Command at the U.S. Coast Guard. Gladys, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much. And Brian Burns is the Deputy Assistant Commandant for Command, Control, Communications, and Computers and IT, C4IT, and the Deputy Chief Information Officer, also with the U.S. Coast Guard. Brian, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. And I'd just like to say our people are our number one asset in the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Blackboard on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.